Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to the brand new season of Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss and we're kicking off this season in style. Jazz Shapers is where I get to bring you the shapers of the business world together with the greatest musicians who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today here on the very first one in 2020 is Steve King, co-founder and CEO of Black Swan, the data science startup that uses artificial intelligence to predict trends in consumer behaviour. Studying cognitive science at Exeter University, Steve thought hard about how he would turn his passion for analytics into a career. Age 25, however, he started a music studio in Devon with £50,000 of his parents' money. But lacking a firm plan, the business went bust. When hearing the news, his father said simply, never give up. As Steve says, the most valuable lesson of my life. After meeting co-founder Hugo Amos in Canada while working in technology and marketing, they launched Black Swan in the UK in 2011 and you'll find out shortly where the name Black Swan comes from. Their aim was to provide a better way for businesses and brands to make use of the mass data available to them, to give an understanding of what fickle shoppers will buy in the future, as well as insights into how best to pitch products to them. Black Swan now works with some of the world's leading consumer-faced brands, including PepsiCo, Panasonic Avionics and Tesco. Steve joins us imminently to chat about all of this and about White Swan, the not-for-profit arm of the business, providing free data services to organisations including the NHS. We've also got brilliant music, of course, from, amongst others, Astra Gilberto, Eddie Bowe and Horace Silver. This is Jazz Shapers. It's 2020. We're back. We're excited. Here's Frank Sinatra. He's excited too. It's Call Me. If you're feeling sad and lonely There's a service I can render Tell the one who loves you only I can be so warm and tender That was Frank Sinatra with Call Me Steve King. As billed earlier, is my business shaper. He's the CEO and co-founder of Black Swan, which is an absolutely brilliant name. It's really good to have you here. Hi, Alec. How are you doing? Great to be here. Now, analytics, um, artificial intelligence, natural language processing. I could go on in data bingo. Tell me what this meant to you 20 years ago and why it excited you, why I think it was called cognitive science, why that was the thing that Steve wanted to get involved in. You're definitely right. That definitely was good uh, data bingo words. Uh, I was just um, really passionate about how people think, um, and that's cognitive sciences as well, how people think and then potentially how machines could think in the future. Um, I just find it fascinating. I'm a bit of a sci-fi kind of um, kid. Uh, I thought within five years, by then we'd be building robots and doing things, but then it still took about 20 years till eventually we finally got a company that's really using AI and, and, and your fantastic keywords. And give me a headline uh, in your own words about what Black Swan does. We look at all the conversations on the internet. So anytime someone publicly has an opinion, and we take that in mass, so there are millions and millions, in fact, billions of conversations, people talking about what they had for lunch, 
who they love, what they had for lunch, <laughs> what they're going to do on Saturday. And this is really useful information for brands because we used to just have a survey and ask a few people, but you're never really accurate and you're really biased in mm. you know, biasing the person. Now we can ask millions of people what they think and they can give us a, a unified answer we can use. I suppose also it's what people are doing rather than what they say they're going to do. It's fantastic. Yeah, when, you, when you're asking people things, you completely influence them, you can't help it. Mm. But when people are in their natural self, as they are on social, then you get a much, much better view of you know, where they want to be and what they want to do. And today in the business, how many people are working? In there are 300 swans in, in Black Swan, yeah, which is crazy and scary, but yeah. it's been incredible. We have some yeah, really amazing people in there who are doing things I just couldn't believe we'd be doing. And back, back, going back when you were much, much younger, before you got into cognitive science and the sci-fi thing, I think the world splits into, when I was young, and I'm a little older than you, Steve, um, before technology, their computers there, and so, so on and so forth, there were the kids that were involved in Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> which was sort of the precursor to sci-fi, I guess, in a way. Then there's the kids that are involved in Star Wars and can tell you every single planet. And then there are the kids that are out playing football and banging into walls. Why did you gravitate towards sci-fi? Why? What was it about sci-fi? Was it the dreamer in you, do you think, at a very young age? What an amazing question. No one's ever asked me that. Uh, I think I always had a, quite a big imagination and I sort of enjoyed the books. I mean, I was still a normal kid, loved rugby. I was Welsh, but... I just find that some of the, the things they're talking about just to be so cool. And I guess I just kind of just got addicted and I read so many of these books. And it's really strange now because you're actually doing it and you're doing these things kind of a bit more than 10 years later. And, and still as an adult, you enjoy, you enjoy sci-fi. I absolutely love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. And it's interesting to see where we are now compared to where we were and where the sci-fi people think we're going to be because they are less accurate but a further predictor than the kind of data that we have. I'm just thinking about Aldous Huxley and Isaac, Isaac Asimov Isaac. and all those other people. I mean, and George Orwell, of course. All these people, were, were they just dreaming? Or were they? Or, I mean, I don't remember how scientific any of them were, but for you, does the dream and the science, is it starting to come together? They, they were predicting, you know, and as simple as that, humans are fantastic prediction machines. We've got a neural network, which is, a, you know, a fantastic piece of AI, and we do that to cast well, well forward. You know, our accuracy can vary because of the length of the prediction, but these guys were really just seeing the future and trying to interpret it and write it down the best they could. Stay with me to find out much more about Steve King and how his passion and his understanding of the world and what it could be has influenced the creation of this business called Black Swan. We're going to get much more into that. Time for music right now. It's Eddie Bow with Every Dog Has Its Day. That was Eddie Bowe. Pretty jaunty it was too. Every dog has its day. I'm here with Steve King, CEO, co-founder of Black Swan. 300 people plus. How many locations? About five or six, isn't five, it? Five locations now, a couple in America and across Europe and, of course, in the UK. So the man from Wales done well. I mean, this is. let's go back to 2011. At that point, what were you doing and where were you And before you actually started this idea came up for Black Swan and, and we're going to talk about that conversation you had with your putative partner and so on. But what, what has Steve been doing up until that moment work-wise? Yeah, I'd um, started a music uh, studio after being a DJ for a while, lost a load of money, realised I had to come to, to, to the big city to come and um, earn some more money back. I had some coding skills. You know, at the time, the internet boom was in, so I just quickly got up here and I remember learning 
um, HTML over a weekend because he had the core skills and taking this really high-paid job, which I shouldn't have been in because London was crazy back then for coders. And, and that just kind of got me back into the software development and eventually into sort of building websites, which is where I was in, in 2011. And then you have this moment, apparently, that you're having a drink with your friend Hugo. Correct. Yes, you're sitting there, and how does the conversation go that leads to nine, right, where we are nine years later, you us talking about a business which now has 300 people in it? It is incredible when you say it's that. It's nuts. <laughs> it is nuts. And sometimes I, I, I do find when I talk to people that they go, they don't stop, and we'll, we'll come on to that and what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur, but there is a moment where you, you do have to take stock, but if you take stock for too long, you're scared that it's all <laughs> going to fall apart. I can see it in your eyes. Go. So tell me about the Hugo conversation. So very well said. Uh, so we were actually working together. Hugo worked for one of, uh, he was a customer of ours, and we were building websites together, and we were creating all this amazing data when people were coming and using it. But then just the way in the business we were in, which was sort of campaign-led, they'd spend £5 million, get all this amazing information, and then just delete it. So it started off, the conversation was like, look, we must be able to do things, all these trends. And, you know, we weren't so interested in individual people because it's weird and scary. But, like, all the things we've learned about how people react, could we export them in some way? And then we thought, but people aren't really going to find that useful. And then we thought, but, like, people don't know what's useful. And then this idea of, it was Hugo's idea of this, this black swan idea, which is actually we could find data that people didn't know was useful and give it to them to help them see things in a different way. And then it just took off. And the black swan thing, as I looked into it, is something to do with the Australians bringing over black swans way back when, and there were no black swans, and people used to say this is rare as seeing a black swan. Ex- exactly Which right. I think it's brilliant, because, again, the beauty of, of meeting people like you is I have to go off and read about them. I go, oh, <laughs> that is why we say those things. Exactly right. It was a statement of impossibility, like mm. seeing pigs fly and um, swans are white. I mean, they still are the queen's animal. You'd get your head chopped off for, mm. for attacking one. You know, so the thought of there being black swans was just... What I find fascinating, though, and tell me if this is still true for you, you were doing stuff, you were coding, you'd learnt HTML, you're you're building websites back in the day. Um, Do you still keep close to the product? Are you still inside the data rather than just managing the business? So up to about two years ago, I still like to get my hands dirty, as we call it, in the the industry. And to be fair, at home, I do build prototypes and play around. I've got kids now, I'm teaching them to code. But I am not allowed near anything live anymore. The truth is, I was never really very good at it. <laughs> I just had all the enthusiasm and the ability to copy and paste. So uh, now I'm literally not even allowed the admin passwords to go on the servers. But you do, I imagine, though, I'm sure you're being humble to a point. He's probably going, no, I'm really not a very good coder. Um, but I, I imagine that you understand or you know, you can see the black swan thing, the thing that's unusual, and then you can say, find me, find me the program that builds me that. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I can get my way around a database and, and around data, so I can see where we need to get to. But yeah, there's much cleverer people than me now because we're dealing with such big, big data now. You know, what is the most important thing, though, in what you do? If you had, you had one super skill that everyone that comes through your doors has to have in order to do their job brilliantly, what would it be? So it changes. So when it started, it was technology and understanding and vision about where we're going. Now I'm useless. You know, now might, now I am no longer the product. You know, the guys who, who work for me in Black Swan, they are the guys who are doing it. And they're, they're the team. They're the important people. My job is really just to, to help facilitate that product, do everything I, need, I can do to make sure they have what they need so they can, they can do the mission. That, that handed over a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and, but in terms of those people in that team... What are the skills that you look for in them, if there was one common thing? We're really, really strong on on values, but I guess the one which is most important for for work is inquisitiveness. Mm. We need people who are like, hang on a minute, 
what if I? You know, they're, they're the moments which are really sort of driving us forward. Asking the best questions. Stay with me for much more from my business shape today. Steve King, CEO, co-founder of Black Swan. Uh, much more coming up from him shortly. But first, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondorea with some advice for your business. Hi, I'm Laura Chandler. I'm a partner in the corporate team at Mishkondorea and I head up our reorganisation and restructuring team. So why might you want to undertake a reorganisation or restructuring? There's a whole host of reasons, but some of the more likely ones are in preparation of a sale of the group or the business, or part of your group or business, for operational reasons. It might be to split the ownership, whether because of litigation, divorce, or just because. Or for tax planning reasons, such as inheritance tax planning. Careful planning is essential when undertaking a reorganisation. Some things that you want to think about are, where does everything sit now? Where do you want it to sit going forward and why? What is your primary goal in undertaking the reorganisation? Also consider speaking to an expert to make sure that it's done in the most tax-efficient fashion. And what are the common pitfalls in undertaking a reorganisation? There are many, but here are just a few. Not fully preparing. Not taking the bank along with you so that they understand what you're doing and why. You might have charges or other security in place which needs releasing in order to undertake the reorganisation. Not having all of the shareholders fully on board, this can lead to delay and frustrations on all sides. And also timing. Think about whether there's anything time critical that has to be undertaken. And if so, factor that into your timetable. In essence, it's all in the planning and making sure you take the right advice early. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former jazz shapers all the way back, I think, to 2012. And indeed, you can hear this programme with Steve again. Just ask Alexa, a natty bit of tech, to play jazz shapers, and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop jazz shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, you can hear them there too. But back to today, it's Steve King, co-founder and CEO of Black Swan, the data science startup that uses artificial intelligence to predict trends in consumer behaviour. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Mm. Um, In terms of the values, you touched on it, uh, before the breaks, uh, we were we were talking about what's important. We we ascertained that obviously inquisitiveness is important, asking the right questions. You actually said before that and the values. Tell me about the values that have informed the way that you go about your life and that have informed the way that Black Swan has been created. Mm, and I guess you all have your own little you know where you where you do things. I've. I've always liked to have a little bit of balance and I've had some interesting times in my life which has made me see it a bit clearer that you need to have a bit of a, a long-term view and look after people around you as well as, you know, sometimes be selfish and, and do things. I feel like after the kind of rocky maybe 20s and 30s, it got me myself to a good place. Um, but the company really is just grows its own values and it's like it's wonderful to watch some of our values are like leaving the world in a better place and we can find it that gets interpreted every year by new swans as they come in making sure we listen more than we talk is something which is consistent because always in black swan people they'll be listening to try and take things in these little things just just shape the people who join us and just allow us to you know be very clear about what we're happy to accept when people join us in black swan and, and you know what we like to see from people just tell me a little bit, you said 20s and 30s a bit rocky. Is that just because there was stuff going on for you? And if there was, you can, we can talk about it or you don't have to if you don't want to, but if there was, what did you learn from it? 
Yeah, I think I did the same as most people do. And you sort of, you know, whether it be the relationships you get in or, you know, you end up doing drugs or you end up drinking too much. I pretty much did all of those things. Um, and, you know, and they, you, sometimes you see you can get to pretty dark places. Um, and then it's, it's really how you, you know, how you come back from that and how people around you help you come back from that. And I think they're the things in which, you know, they forge that steel inside you or they, they forge that ability not to make a short-term decision or a greedy decision because mm. you've kind of been in that place before and you know that you don't want to go back there and you don't want to let the people who got you back up again down know they've got you back up on their feet. Is there a sort of level of appreciation that you have for when the days are good as well? Because, I mean, there's a whole slew of things around mental health and well-being and stuff, and I think often when when people are going through that and every business has its own way of helping people, um, people often try to give people perspective again and think about what they've got and what they haven't got. It sounds to me like what you've got now is fabulous. And maybe it wasn't quite as fabulous then. I don't mean in financial material terms. I mean in your headspace. Mm. Um, how have you? You talked about support, but how else have you? Do you think this thing works? How else is it that you can get up out, out of bed every day and go? I'm pretty feeling pretty good today. Mm. Yeah, the the good times are weird, aren't they? Because you you want to enjoy them, but then you get this guilt. <laughs> you think that something is going to, you know, that you're that you're doing something wrong, or maybe you're taking advantage of something, and you you start to to look over your shoulder. I think, and you've had some amazing people on this show. Probably the thing I can hear from them and I hear from myself is just that getting up. You know, I remember my dad saying when I'd spent his pension, just get up and get on with it and, you know, just try again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is no matter how bleak things get sometimes and we've, I've been crying in my bed thinking I couldn't make payroll later on in the afternoon. You know, if you, you've just got to get up, you've just got to keep trying and it's amazing, you know, that people will find a way to help you out. You know, be honest, be open, and then, you know, it's amazing what humans can get through. As you're talking, you remind me when I, I chatted with Jimmy Mulville a couple of years ago, and he literally just said some days, and he's, you know, he's been very open about his own depression and, uh, and uh, you know, abuse of substance and so on and so forth. He just said, Jimmy, you're not feeling good. Get up, have a cup of tea. Before the tea, open the curtain. Open the curtain, Jimmy. I mean, it sounds a bit like if you just do that. And I've read somewhere again, you, you said life shouldn't be... It, if when it on those difficult days, the thought of a phone call is difficult, let alone anything else. Um, how have you powered through? How do you continue to do it? Is it just the same drawing on your inner strength? I think it's a, a, a bit of that, and I, I love that idea. You know, sometimes it is a step at a time, but have responsibility. You now, you know, I can't. Sometimes, if I don't feel like I want to call an investor and, and have a tough chat, I'm doing it for 300 people now, so I don't really have a choice, and that that helps me when I, you know, when I walk around the office and I see people doing amazing things. That just helps me go, no, come on, you can do your bit. You talked incredibly openly. Tell me about, and I'm assuming this is a part of your leadership style, but what else informs the way that you lead, if indeed you think about it in those ways, or or are you just a bit more natural and spontaneous than that? I'm trying to be a bit more structured. Um, I think it's very easy to, well, it's not very easy, but it's it's a different kind of leadership when you have a small company, you know, for less than 50 people, because you can just go and see everyone, stay up with them till four o'clock in the morning. And when we reach 300, <laughs> it gets a little bit tiring. Um, <laughs> I, uh, so, Get on, Steve. You've got to look after yourself. Can't I do that 45 is not good to be sent for one in the morning. <laughs> so I told myself last night. Um, but I think learning skills, I've tried to learn some management skills because what happens even if you've got the best heart and you really want to do things the right way, you can still crush someone in your organization if you haven't got the right process for their workload. You know, and that, I've, we've seen it. It's terrifying. And you know you're not the person who wants that. But you're two steps away from them. So how do you make sure that that's not going to happen? Well, you know, that is, unfortunately, it's just boring management stuff and, and learning how to set the right kind of 
values and processes up to make sure things are, you know, it's all balanced. But that, you know, I didn't have any of that when I started. I just catastrophically messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> but did you really? Because it, you seem like a really genuine guy. You're not pretentious at all. Very, very grounded. So I'm assuming that as you've got, this company's got bigger people who value that in you and you don't want to change that and become some sort of uh, automaton of business, you know, business leadership courses, do you? How do you use that training to ensure that it's the best version of you rather than someone else? I think the values are hugely important. So you need to go through the structure, otherwise, you know, suddenly someone's got five days work in one day and they'll, you know, and you will make them cry and they'll make them not want to come. So you ha- you have to do that stuff. But the values, and if you're, I just think, authentic, if you really live by your values, no matter what, never fold from them, then they will, everyone who works for you then will then carry that on to the next person. If you, they see someone, you know, who's really upset, they will realise it's more important for that person to be right than the work to be right. Mm. So you need to the mix of the process, I think, and then also you just need to live the way yourself, the way you want all your other managers to live so that they can they can pass that on. But it's by no means an exact science, and I definitely haven't got it right in many, many times. Talking about values um, and living, living by those values rather than them just being written down or people speaking about them, the white swan business, I'm going to call it business organization. Tell me a little bit about that. And I read about your sister and her illness and how your application of your core skill of applying data to problems has solved a major problem, which is very moving. But just explain a little bit how that came about in your own words and where it is now. Yeah, sure. And um, again, I guess when we're talking about getting up and doing stuff, my sister is a great case of that, Julie. She's, uh, she was very sick for um, about six years. Um, she had an undiagnosed disease. She was given as Emmy. Um, we we tried everything, you know. You got, and the doctors are amazing, but they got eight minutes effectively, to, and you'd need 120 years of training to see all the rare diseases. So the, the system isn't really designed to help catch the outliers of the rare diseases. Um, and one day we went in, and she she had very strange things. She would be fine in the morning. By lunchtime, she'd be in a wheelchair. And by the evening, you'd have to feed her and she'd be carried to the toilet. And the doctor said, look, just one night she's going to swallow her tongue and she doesn't have the strength to be able to stop that, so you need to prepare. And that just... it was I couldn't say what happened in my head. Um, but I was down in Wales at the time, so we had two weeks where we had time um, with Julie. Uh, we had I had access to amazing developers and our technology, and we started to think about the, what she said her symptoms were. And the problem is, if you put that into Google, like I get tired through the day, I don't know, you never get anything. But but using NLP, so natural language processing, you can look for patterns. So we were saying, what's the patterns of Judy's behaviour compared to what other people are saying on the internet? And suddenly we were finding these blogs where people had exactly the same thing as Judy had. Uh, so we bombed a load of them and said, look, you know, this sounds really familiar. I put a video up of her and all the stats, loads of stats, which we'd put together. And we had over 12,000 responses from people just talking about, look, I think it's this, that and the other. And that eventually, um, when we talked to the doctor about um, all this, we he then was kind enough to like listen to us and sent her to a specialist. She had a, a early onset um, Parkinson's, which is you know treatable with Parkinson's drug. And Julie is amazing. You know, she is now running, unfortunately for me, because as you can see, I'm not really the athlete. Maybe I might have been at one point. Uh, so she's got me, got marathons and the like. She is uh, incredible. And I, and I know that the way that technology is moving, you know, in, in that kind of space, that she'll always be ahead of it now. So I feel that, yeah, we were, we were just very lucky. Um, and then when I went to the office and I thanked everyone and I stood up and we explained the story, um, 
people put their hand up and said, we need to do more. So about half of Black Swan uh, take their evenings and weekends now. Um, we've created a charity. We've uh, also now, uh, we've raised some funds as well. Um, recently on the NHS Accelerator Programme too, to try and help doctors find other people having similar conversations um, yeah, or and it like it wasn't me, you know. It was mm. it was everyone responding, um, and they've yeah. White Swan is now doing some amazing things across a variety of illnesses, and just trying to help people get to their diagnosis or cope with their diagnosis. It's amazing the proper use of the internet rather than the improper use. Uh, stay with me for much more from my business shaper, my final chat with him. It's Steve King. Plus, we've been playing a track from Horace Silver. That's in just a moment. Please don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Horace Silver with Song for My Father. I'm with Steve King. Just for a few more minutes, we've been talking about data, about values, about asking questions, about listening more than you talk and other really smart stuff. So the business is now, it'll be eight and a half, nine years old. You've been funded to the tune of around 13 million quid. Turnover's looking, I imagine, going up rather than down, Steve. He's nodding. Yes, <laughs> Thank that's, goodness. That, that's, a good, that's a good thing. You've got growth there. How important is the money to you in all of this? Uh, I think I, I like things so definitely. So and you know I, I think they I, I like making sure I can look after my family and and I enjoy like phones and and the like. And but <laughs> I'm not. It's not Sound really like my thirteen year old son. I enjoy phones. <laughs> I want the el- iPhone eleven at least. It's got eighteen cameras on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can afford that. But the, <laughs> no, I, he, he can't uh, either. <laughs> I think money is really important because it's a thing we need in order to do what we need to do. But I think that's where it ends, really. Yeah, you know, I'd, this the the black swung thing. You know, there may have been a thought of wow, it'd be brilliant. I think we actually said it'd be amazing. We can like make a ten million pound company. That's like years ago. We passed that. So it's not really about that anymore. Now it's really about the mission um, and like the enjoyment of being there with people doing it. Um, so the, yeah, the money's important, and I really hope that one day you know everyone in Black Swan makes a good amount of money from this. But at the moment, we're just too busy to worry about it. Was it easy to raise the money along the way? Looking back now, because you have an unusual or rather an of the moment proposition, or did it make it harder because data is you know everyone talks about big data being the new thing? I think it was uh, relatively easy. You know, as long as you've done your numbers and you can show the right of growth, we were really well supported by by our now current investors. You know, and we didn't really have much. We just had an idea back then and a couple of customers. So, you know, I think we've been supported really well. And what happens if someone like, you know, a big top four consultancy comes along and says, here's a ridiculous check and we want to buy you? What happens then? We're not really interested at the moment. Um, the mission at the moment is to revolutionise primary research so there's less guesswork, that people can make products that everyone likes. And then after that, we'd like to raise our own fund and start buying our own businesses and making products. I can't, I can't really see the offer's going to be worthwhile um, at the moment. So, you know, but you never say never, but I just think it's so much fun at the moment. It would be such a shame. And you've just increased the value by so much by saying we're not for sale. It's brilliant. <laughs> Steve, you do know what you're doing. The other thing in the world of data is governance. Governance is absolutely critical, and we hear a lot about whether you're abusing or not abusing data. What do you think is important going forward in terms of creating the right framework for that? Because obviously that's your business. It's the right thing to talk about. I mean, we're very lucky in that we've based our business mostly on public views where people are made very public, but 
it's really sad, really, how little guidance there are for companies who use AI and data. And Cambridge Analytica didn't mean to do what they did. What they did was terrible, but there was no guidelines. That is, wasn't technically against the law. It was a few privacy issues. There's no real guidelines for young companies, and so these young companies are playing God because they don't have guidelines. So I think that the key thing really is just for the government to focus and get up to speed with the technology, You know, work out what it can do, and, and, and then help us by just being a rule because at the moment we obviously we're human so we try and do it the best way but you know without that kind of firm structure tells what we can and can't do it's you know it is just what we think is right and I, I i worry about that but it sounds like the silicon six and and businesses like yours ought to be involved in that consultation with government because obviously you're going to know a lot more about data than any minister or um you know international minister is going to know I think we'd absolutely love that. And and it's not that, you know, they know a lot of things we don't know, but the technology moves so fast, they can't keep up to date with it. You know, we get paid to do that. So I'd really welcome that. Well, I hope that's what happens next. And I hope you're involved. I've got a feeling you will be. And if you're not and someone's listening that ought to, ought to be getting involved, <laughs> then get him involved. Um, just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Uh, so um, it's Nina Simone, My Baby Just Cares For Me, for, uh, for my wife who just puts up with so much rubbish, <laughs> but just consistently still loves me. That was Nina Simone with My Baby Just Cares For Me, the song choice of my business shape today, Steve King. He talked about being responsible. Having responsibility as a leader has brought the very best out in him. He talked about creating a company with values of authenticity, of openness, of honesty. And he talked about the importance of inquisitiveness. If you're going to find the right questions, you're probably likely to find the right answers. That's it from Jazz Shapers this week. It's really good to be back. Catch you next Saturday. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers. <laughs>